Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Friday, February 18th. February Duke is in full force. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me, we've got Dukes on the mic, and we are also joined by former Brown, LSM, absolute assassin with the ball on a stick. Pretty sure he's the NCAA record holder for assists by a long pole. Not a big deal. We've got Larkin Kemp on the line. Uh, Dukes, we'll start off with you. Good, good. We'll, we'll let Larkin kind of ease his way in here. Got to do some rookie hazing. But uh, how are you feeling after, after a big weekend of games? Just a beautiful weekend of lacrosse. Friday night started off strong. Really thought that Manhattan was going to pull it out. Uh, the Manhattan goalie had a good game, but – it was Jacksonville that gave Duke the loss. Overall, great first weekend. Um, I'm fully back in it. I thought that I was going to be like half in, half out, not really watch all the games Saturday. I caught myself watching the uh, like Bucknell-Mercer game or whatever it was. I was like, what the fuck is this? But fully into it again. Um, love to see it. Larkin, what do you think about the first weekend? I loved it, man. It's uh, Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciate it. Love all that you do for the game. Um, a big piece of how excited I am is obviously the Ivies being back, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But in terms of what I've seen so far, love some of the early season upsets, dogs on the road, love when an ACC-type team goes down. Um, lacrosse is back, man. I think it's going to be a great year. Everyone reloaded. Um, you know, just just love that we're back. Yeah, um, so – I mean, let, let's get into that right away because you're, you're an Ivy guy yourself and uh, I, I think everyone's fired up for the Ivies to be back. Um, I, I've been someone who I feel like if you, if you ran back the tape a little bit, I, I've probably been pretty harsh on the Ivies um, being, um, I, I, I don't know what, what words you're allowed to say these days, but pussies for uh, canceling multiple seasons in a row. Um, you know, it, it's tough seeing all these phenomenal players not get a chance to compete out there and uh it's definitely tough seeing a guy like michael sowers have to you know not be able to finish out his career at princeton and have to go over to duke to play it's tough to see jeff teat uh decide to stay at cornell and then he loses out another year and then we don't get to see him play college across again um so for these guys that are playing uh for their first time in two years uh you know do you have any any contact with these guys? Any like how how far? Yeah, up no, I mean I'm, I'm in a ton of field. contact. Uh, I obviously stay in touch with the Brown Boys the most and, and that staff and help out there where I can. I mean, I, I think of the Ivy League reaction and and we can you know rant and riff as much as you want me to, but it's like a three part play. I'm sure you guys have all heard my opinions with respect to like Act One and Two, which was initial cancellation and response is what it was not enough data, didn't know enough about where COVID was heading. Act two is where the rest of like power five conferences and D2, D3 broke away from the Ivy league, right? They all kind of made an effort to like return to normalcy, return to play, get back in classes where appropriate. Um, and where I feel very strongly is like act two heading into three, as we learn more and more and candidly, and I'm more than willing to draw sand in the line. We now know that 18 to 22 year olds are not at risk at all for highly serious respiratory illness beyond what is like a typical rate of significance, like no different than how many hospitalizations would occur during a normal school year. Um, I just think it's literally insane that the highest learning academic institutions on the planet, like won't let their kids go back to class and do what they've earned. Like they didn't ask to be there. They earned the right to go to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, sit in the classroom, learn from the best teachers on the planet so they can like innovate and 
build disruptive businesses and do all these things. So I, I obviously, as you guys know, I feel very strongly about this. I think everyone associated with those decisions should be fired. It, it like makes my blood boil when I see athletic directors and the executive committee of the Ivy league athletic offices, like post pictures at games and do all these things. Like they literally abandoned their student athletes, like all of those kids, Michael Cyrus could have gone anywhere on the planet. Like Jeff T generational talent. They made the decision to go study at your school and you literally abandoned them. Like you did nothing for them. Like what I would have done is no different than like the captain, of the Titanic gone down with the ship. Like I should have been basically like him or me. Like I will quit my job. Um, which honestly I think is what a lot of coaches probably would have done if they would have canceled this year. So I'm just really obviously fired up to see the boys back. Um, I think what people tend to dis like far too many people are talking about Ivy league rust. I, I couldn't feel more strongly in the other direction. I think it's like a hunger, a fire. Like I expect the Ivy league to roll this weekend. Like I like Penn over Georgetown. I like Yale huge over Nova. I think the other five are going to put up 20 to 30 burgers. Like I think, I think a lot of people forget that there were three top five Ivy League teams when the Ivy League canceled in 2019-20. Like three final four quality groups. Brown, who was fifth in the league at the time, their last game was beating the eventual national champion, Virginia, in Providence. Like this league is not your grandfather's Ivy League. Like these are athletic dudes with really high-level assistant coaching, salary pools, and structure, very good head coaches that – are fired up to be back. And I, and I expect them to be a huge part of the equation come back. I got the one thing I'll say is, you know, you're talking about the Ivy leagues coming back with hunger and all that. Totally agree. I like, especially the top dogs, like you're saying, Brown, I think Algevin is a fucking stud a stud. I think he's stud. someone from the Ivy league that everybody needs to keep their eyes out for. The, oh, the one team, the one team that I, I think I'm going to fade this weekend though in the obvious, it's gotta be Dartmouth. I mean, you couldn't have been including them in that, right? Them against Mary Mack. Who are you going to take in that one? Oh, I like, dude, I like Dartmouth in that. Yeah. I, Chicago, so like, I, listen, it's, yeah, is Dartmouth at a different position than the rest of the board? Sure. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, is Merrimack that much of a wagon that we're going to discount? Like, I think there's a little bit of juju at play. It's one of these things where I'm not going to bet against this type of like energy and momentum. Yep. If we end up going six and one, that's what it is. But um, listen, I, Brendan Callahan recruited me at Lehigh. I actually think fairly highly of him. I hope he turns Dartmouth around. Like it's in the best interest of the league strength of schedule wise for Dartmouth to get back to a place of respectability. So, like, I, I hope they do. Yeah, now, I mean, obviously, I, I think that the, the Ivy League rust is, is definitely – I don't know if it's overblown or not. I, I never know, like, what on Twitter is actually, like, what the majority of people are saying and, and what's just, like, a few people just being really loud about it. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see it as much of a deter like not playing for those couple years. But what I do think might, what, what I'd be worried about for the Ivy League is like, do, do you see what happened over the past couple years affecting recruiting? Like, do you, do you, I don't know. I, I don't imagine that they're like, you know, 16. Yeah, no, I do. I, I totally. can't imagine it's that there are 16, issue, like, 17 year old kids out there who are expecting another uh, pandemic again, but just seeing the way that a season could be taken away from them that might like, do you see kids being like, uh, you know what? Like if I have an offer from a Lehigh, like you were recruited, maybe I'll go there because I feel more comfortable that I'll get all my four seasons in. Uh, instead totally. Of yeah. I think, I think one part of it is like the safety aspect with respect to like seasons and eligibility. So the piece you've touched on, I think another one is just like brand exposure, right? Like, 
when when that all shut down, you could have argued that like Yale had the premier brand in lacrosse mm-hmm. from a recruiting standpoint. They were in two straight natties. Like now that is obviously the University of Virginia. They've won two straight rings. Like anyone sitting down with those two, those two coaching staffs, that's going one direction at this point. Um, so, and that goes for all seven, right? It's different battles. I'm not suggesting that they're all in the same tier of recruiting with respect to the types of star athletes they get and who they offer. But like when you're just out of the game for two years, it unquestionably has an impact on the way in which you're seen because the reality is like, if you ask like a 30 year old who has to go like try and get a job and understands the nuances of like of being an adult, a lot more people would probably skew Ivy. But when you ask a 15 year old who just wants to like go to tournament games and like is on Instagram and listening to podcasts like this, when you're just out of the news for two years, like, yeah, man, I mean, like Patriot league, I'm sure picked up a ton of kids and, um, obviously the ACC is, you know, is more loaded than ever, right? Like, you know, they're just basically getting whoever they want. Um, and, and hopefully we can chip away at that here. No, I got a question regarding recruits, all that. How do you think the NIL will affect the Ivies too? Do you think that with the two-year gap and the NIL coming in, that's going to even affect Ivy recruits even more? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, I, it's, I mean, we can start yelling about Mark Emmert if you want me to. The NCAA. Please for a variety of reasons, has dropped this ball. But in the short term, and I think it'll steady state adjust. I think in the long term, you'll see it move. In the short term, uh, Power 5 football schools are so much more well-positioned to execute and basically, like, uh, catalyze NLI deals that impact, like, net new recruiting. So, like, there is five dudes my age at a program like UVA football who literally, like, their job is to, like, summon booster money, figure out a way to, like, car for this guy right like do all these different things that is going to have trickle over into the lacrosse program it's like listen we got a schellenberger type kid on campus we're going to make these promises and that's why he's going to come here and you know regardless of like what we think about the on-field product i can tell you for a fact the back of house like the ivy league offices are the worst i've ever seen and like that like the support staff so to speak like they're there's no, going to be no execution with respect to NLI type stuff. And then obviously whether even the eligibility of it, whether you're even allowed to do it is like a whole other question. Um, but in the short term, ACC total front runner with respect to basically like being able to utilize those strengths to just like get the top end guys, specifically primary ball carriers. Like there's Obviously, like everyone has a role in a lacrosse field, but there's probably like five to 15 guys, a class that every single coach is like, I want that guy carrying the rock for me. Right. Like, and those guys mm-hmm. kind of have all of the chips. Um, no different than like a quarterback. Same concept. I mean, we even can look at Long Island right now. I know New York State's allowing high school kids to get the NIL deals. You're already seeing Joey Spilina racking money for the NIL deals. He's going to Syracuse with Gary Gate, who's in, like, does he? What's the, what's the issue with him with gate lacrosse? Is he still connected to that? Because someone's got to investigate that. They're going to steal way too many recruits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, no comment shit. on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, your point, to your first point, like, Spelina's going to be making over 100 grand at Q's. Like, mm-hmm. easily. Like, it, the, the world has changed, right? Like, this is, this is, like, a real thing. Like, this is now happening. Um, and I'm really happy for him. Everything I see is, like, super talented kid, works really hard. I like his dad. Um, and he's just one of like whatever 10 guys a class who are going to be getting that real type of endorsement type dollar. Um, and you know, it's candidly, it's exciting. Like I think 
when you it's a rising tide in the game of lacrosse and when co collegiate lacrosse when those types of dollar signs start showing up that's going to flow through into pll type endorsements mm -hmm. into engagement impressions bigger tv deals like it's all positive right like when you have wayne gretzky buying nll franchises and you have the pll hopefully going to a larger tv renewal and like all that good stuff um so I listen, I'm like very bullish. I think of lacrosse as like a growth stock that you can get in early on. Like I, it's not valued now like a blue chip. I think it will be. Um, so I, it's buy, buy, buy. Like I'm, I'm all in. Couldn't agree more with you on that. Yeah. When, when they first announced that New York was going to be letting the high school kids get paid, like I, I was just expecting like all these kids from like West Islip to be slinging their Garden like, their, their, yeah, for all these Garden City kids, just like <laughs> slinging their favorite chicken parm. And then Joey Spolina comes out with a gate endorsement. So uh, good, good for him. That's, uh, I, I mean, if I was in high school and I was a top 100 recruit, which I sadly missed the cut somehow, I don't know. Fuck you, Ty Zanders, you piece of you shit. You were definitely, you were definitely a top, you were definitely a top 100 warm up goalie. Look, I wasn't a top 100 recruit in the country, but now I'm part of a top 100 lacrosse podcast. So really, Thank God every day. It all worked but out. I, I was thinking like the, the Long Island guys, I was like, you start, fuck the lacrosse unlimited deals. Go to, just go to Moe's and ask for a free stack every Tuesday. I mean, let's keep it like or a free bowl from Chipotle. Like, keep it real. But yeah. um, my, my I think what you'll see, like the first big type deal, and someone did this in Texas, like some oil guy did it for all the old linemen. I think a big booster will come out and just say, listen, all 45 guys on the team at like UNC as an example, yeah. Yeah. get like five grand a semester. Like, like some, like basically yes. high level, like, don't overthink it. Don't try and spread it here, spread it there. Just be like the first school that says, listen, all of your beer money for the semester. Like I got, it. Well, that, you know I mean? that, like, like, that seems like something that Joe Sai should be able to, to start. <laughs> yeah. now. May, maybe, maybe he's given, uh, he's, he's given a yeah. few, a few, he's given a few shekels to, to Yale university over the years. Um, I know that building's serious, boys. Decent, I, decent little that's building. Our, that's our rival, and it's hard to hard to even comment on that. That's Alabama football quality. Good for you're, them. You're, your brother went to Yale, right? Played hockey. My the darkest yeah. night of my life is when I found out that my best friend, who's the captain of Yale hockey, flipped my own brother, who was committed <laughs> to Brown for like four years. <laughs> Literally, I swear to God, that the only the only dark spot in 2016. That was my junior season. Like that was like the yeah. best year of my life, probably. Um, and, and that was the dark spot. I was like, Jesus, like these, I, I really didn't like those guys at the time. Uh, obviously. Oh my God. I mean, you could hear this, the, the stories about yellow cross. I mean, just cause I'm like a spectator and I'm a listener. I fucking love cause I'm like, holy shit. They sound like just simply stated, just assholes Animals, or people yeah. you don't want to play. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, listen, I give them a lot of credit. It's like a love hate. They've built a culture. Yeah. Is that culture really frustrating to play against? And like, do I hate them on game day? Yes. Has that culture also produced winning seasons and like changed the course of that program and everything that's come with it? It also has. So like, as a fan of the game, I respect them. I really respect Andy Shea. Do I think that they're punks on game day? Yes. Oh, and like sure. my opinion of that will never change. I guess my one my one question regarding NIL might be my probably my last one. So back when you were playing, who do you think who do you think gets gets the bag for the NIL? Give me like your top three people. They're they're making over a hundred grand. Or do you think no one makes over a hundred grand? That's all relative, like just just in the sense that the the pace of spend in some of the big like the big sports now will lead to more in the cross. But I mean, guys who obviously just missed the boat. Um, I mean, there's so many of them. Guys, obviously, I played with or against would in the league in the Ivy League would obviously be like Busick, Malloy, Reeves, um, Schreiber. I mean, Schreiber was the man. 
Um, and he didn't get a dollar, obviously. Um, and then obviously if you go Reeves down to Reeves would have gotten a nice like stethoscope endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was more implying that those guys potentially could have gone elsewhere, right? Like, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, can you imagine the type of offer Tom Schreiber would have got in his living room in Long Island to go play <laughs> like wherever? I mean, he, he the thing you know what's interesting about that theory is you know Spolina is like a high schooler, grew up in the Instagram generation, so he's always been getting followers, getting those tags on those across accounts. Where Schreiber seems like the type of guy that doesn't really like social media. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't even know what his follower count is, but I can't imagine it's that big, right? No, no, yeah, but yeah. I think so like that's an interesting perspective. Totally, but I think like Danowski or somebody would call a booster and be like, "This kid's twelve, and he can go right, left, and throw like twisters <laughs> and levers, and like, you know, like, <laughs> at fourteen years old, he could like plug and play on any first midfield in ACC. So <laughs> it's yeah, he's, he's yeah. Kyle Harrison obviously ended up making a ton in K eighteen and all that, but in the NLI era, he would have been. Just oh a my god, racked. And it's right. also like, the, the the transfer portal with the NI. I mean, imagine can Algerman play next year? Does he have an extra? Yeah, I think he, I think he might have a year. And yes, he's very good. By the way, to give him some credit, he he has a right left hammer. He shoots the shit like he shoots the shit out of the ball. And I've yeah. you know like regardless of what people think of me as a crossbar, I've been to practice with really hard shooters. Obviously, at the pro level, Team USA, Prout, whatever. Like he shoots the shit out of the rock. Like if he if it's going on cage, it's going in. Um, it's just a question for Brown of like, can we get other primary ball carriers to draw slides and throw you know mm-hmm. south north to him stepping down with his hands free because it's going every time. His uh, my roommate in college was Algerman's cousin, and he he texts me on Friday. He goes, "Yo, do you know what the uh, the, the Tawarton Award is?" It's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard of it. He goes, "Yeah, I saw." He's on the watch list. My friend goes, is, "Is that good?" I go, "You know the Eisen Trophy in college football." He's like, "Yeah, I've heard of it." I was like, "It's, yeah. it's that for lacrosse, brother. It's it's pretty good." <laughs> Check out yeah. a game once. Yeah, I, I expect. I mean, Sam Hanley's gonna have a huge year too in terms of shooting the rock. Um, I think everything I've heard is they're putting him in like a Connor Kelly type attack position where he'll be like high wing, so he won't actually go behind, but he'll be on for all fast breaks and face offs. And I mean, he's gonna have. 70 goals right-handed literally large large individual um well you know speaking of large individuals let's uh let, let's let's jump over the conversation a little bit and talk about some of the shit that we saw in uh in this past weekend of college lacrosse so i guess that was officially the the second uh full weekend but uh obviously the the big storyline is that uh you know, the, the more things change, we're talking about all these NLI deals and, and, and this changing landscape of lacrosse, the, the more it changes, the more things stay the same. And Duke is always good to get upset by some shitbag team. No offense to Jacksonville. Uh, and, well, all right, that, that was a bad ricochet shot for the Finns. They, they earned that one. <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> but, well, in, in the grand scheme of college yeah. lacrosse, they're so, it's a SoCon team. Uh, but the, Duke is always good for one – at least one horrible loss in February year and they got theirs out of the way this past Sunday. Uh, so the, their weekend started off. They had a, uh, a, a big time win on Friday. Then they, they scheduled John Galloway and the Finns on Sunday, a little cocky move there to, uh, to, to schedule both those games on, on the weekend and uh, they, they paid for it. So they go down to Jacksonville 14 to 12 uh, Dukes. Do, do you think that this is just typical February Duke, or do you think that this is reason to be concerned or do you think that this is just the Finns year of destiny? 
I don't know. Do you remember me saying something about the Finns last week on the pod, Jordy? You, you did. I, you were, you I were said it was a steal. Them. And, you know, so as you guys know, I said last week on the pod, I grew up a little bit of a Providence lacrosse fan. Sisters went to the school. Uh, my sister's fiance played lacrosse at Providence. And Galloway was the coach. I thought that Providence would make the jump to an, not an elite program, but a tournament team. Sadly, they haven't. Gabrielli hasn't really gotten it together there. COVID kind of fucked him that one year. But fast forward, Galloway goes to Jacksonville, and he's, he, he's looking like he's, he's ahead of Providence already. I mean, he's a legit coach. You see throughout the years the progressions that they're becoming a legit program. I genuinely do believe that they are a top 20 lacrosse team in the country this year. I don't, I don't really th- – and especially after beating Duke. Is it Duke playing? Yes. I'm sure that – no, they, they probably got down for that game. They went out probably Friday or Saturday night, a little bit hungover, a little bit like sluggish. But parents are in town. But, I mean, give Jacksonville their credit. They got the fucking dub. And going, playing at Duke, it's not a tough thing. And give them the credit where it's due. Yeah. I mean, my perspective would be it's not unexpected in the sense that my, my – what I think of Duke in February is that they just focus on themselves. Like, I bet they – do limited scout and they basically just like blue white it and they're kind of all about them. They schedule a ton of people and they know that as long as they get rolling and win a couple ACC games, they're going to host a playoff game either way. Like the beauty of coaching in the ACC is you're going to be a top eight seed. Like you, you basically just got to show up and play your schedule because of the strength of it. Um, so you just got to get rolling at the right time. I think where this could obviously hurt them is under the pretense that Jacksonville stumbles and loses to high point. Right. And, and that becomes like a, a fairly large loss where it actually could impact them is if they become like a six, seven, eight seed, that's very different in terms of path to the final four, because you're going to have to go through another ACC team most likely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could end up coming back to bite them. I, I think Jacksonville's good. I don't think they're great. I think, uh, I think they'll end the year in like the 20 to the 25, 30 range. I don't think they're going to stay up the whole time, but, I, I will – I'd like to give one shout-out. Max Waldbaum, the Tufts transfer, has been going off. He's like a big – he kind of reminds me of Dill a little bit in that doesn't really care about what he looks like, just scores goals. Like, big yeah. righty. Um, I'm a big Tufts fan. Happy for him. You know, I also I, – because we kind of skipped over the Manhattan game. Um, I was watching that game Friday night in my house on Long Island. Like, 4 p.m. game, I was loving it. Brendan Krebs, the goalie for Manhattan, shout-out him. He had 19 saves. But I, I really want to investigate Paul Kark on this one because Paul Kark is trying to be a PLL agent of some sort. He must have said throughout the broadcast, this guy is a PLL goalie. I'm telling you, he's going to be up the draft boards. And I know that a lot of schools are looking at him because he's a Long Island guy. But Jesus Christ, Kark, keep it in your pants for two seconds. I mean, I was like, you want to sign this kid right, right here and now? Um, but the kid, the kid deserved credit. First half, he was a brick wall. And I mean, end of the day, it's Manhattan. So you can't really like – yeah. I can't really expect an actual job. Yeah, I thought they showed well, man, for, for the type of kid yep. they recruit compared to, you know, trying to guard Brendan O'Neill. Like, dude, the week before, people were talking about Brendan O'Neill as if he's going to put up 10 on everybody. That number 30 for Manhattan was yeah. grinding. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was, he was, no one has gotten more out of less and, like, showed up on a bigger stage. So credit to that dude. We, I think we, I, so me and Jordy, after, like, the first weekend, we were kind of, like, went into the first pod. We're like, we just got to get this thing rolling, just get back into the flow thing. And I was like, what are some talking points that we should go over? And we were just like, let's just talk about how good Brendan O'Neill is. And yeah, he's put ten points oh, I mean, he's, he's a monster. So, he's like, sick. anytime a non-ACC type athlete, right, can yeah. hold him to what that kid held him to, like, that guy deserves the game ball. 
You know, also just going, I forgot to say this about Duke is I think one of their biggest issues too is figuring out uh, Dyson Williams and Lully. They keep flipping them off every quarter at attack and midi. I think they've really got to figure out who, who's going to stay at attack, who's going to be the constant attack, who's going to be the constant at midfield. I don't, I don't really it's, have it. Yeah, that's the problem for all the ACC programs. Because of COVID eligibility backlog, I mean, you got 10 to 15 guys who deserve to be playing on, on like a first set sixes offense. How do you fit all these pieces together, the egos? Like they all want the rock, yeah. you know. Like Dyson Williams is going to play for Team Canada in <laughs> five years. Like, are you really going to put him on the bench? Like, how's that all going to work? UVA's got similar issues. You know, obviously you can't take out more in Schellenberger, right? But, like, you got four other guys that are, like, nasty. Like, are you going to play them? Like, what's going to happen? Um, so whoever manages that the best will ultimately end up, you know, with the top seed come May because that's really what you're looking at. And Maryland's the same way. Like, they got dudes everywhere. Really, yeah, good, really good. I, I'm a big college basketball fan. I told, told the pod last week. And just quickly, Texas basketball got a lot of recruits. They got all the transfer portal, top guys from every single program. Bill Self said, hold up, don't just call them number one right now because you're going to have to deal with these egos. You're going to have to deal with people that were primary ball handlers coming into an offense and have to be unselfish. And a lot of these teams, like you said, they're going to run into these issues all season long. It's the teams that come on top and know how to play together as a team. Totally. Like, to use a pro example, right, it's the offenses with, like, an Eric Law, like a guy who understands inside mm-hmm. out. And those types, like the drifter types that come across as, like, blue guys and line drills but are actually, like, first-team All-Americans and, like, going to play 15 years in pro – the a lot of the issue with the ACC, they got so many Dodgers. Like they go, they got so many guys who want to gain leverage. Um, so it's just it's a question of who can uh, assimilate into off ball type play quicker. But because that's the short clocks and another huge issue with that. Yeah. Who's going to initiate? I mean, really, you just got to go into every season and just try to be you know the the most average recruiter as you can, and then that kind of gets gets all of those issues. <laughs> Takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just no. you know, <laughs> just just don't land everybody, uh, and you know, just that way you can you can share the round. I'll tell you what. Speaking of recruiting, uh, the you know Jacksonville, they're obviously going to be able to use that Duke win as a as a big recruiting piece for them, and I'm sure that you know having a guy like John Galloway as a coach is going to help out. But really, all they need to do to get all the guys that they want. Uh, there was a there was a, a clip that they put out. One of their goals that they scored against Mercer, um, that Tufts transfer, I believe, was was coming from X right up the the right hash, turn and shoot, and the sunset that that was going on in Jacksonville was so unbelievably gorgeous. That's all I would ever. I would be like, hey kid, like, do you want to go freezer like? Do you want to go freeze your, your ass off playing for one of these Ivy League schools? Do you want to freeze your ass off? I know the Dukes is hyping up Bryant and Providence. Do you want to go freeze your <laughs> ass off in February? Or do you want to enjoy the 6-6 sunset in, in Jacksonville in February? Like that's that to me, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but that would be a bigger selling point to me than, than a win over February. You, you, you get a win over Duke in March and April – that's big time, but a, a February win might not do as well for recruiting as that sunset. Uh, moving you know, on. Jordy, really quick though. You want to high point high point got the, the win on Friday. Asher Knowlton got the game winner last week on the pod. We were like, is so February Duke is done. And then we're like, and high point hasn't really done anything that we think they're going to be like special this year. They got the win and then they played um, Virginia really close on Sunday. So I think our theory is just out the window. We, we really don't know. No, anything. they they played Virginia close. They didn't win. So we're back on. 
Oh, I'm 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 back on. I I will forever. I I'm a forever lover of Asher Nolting and a forever doubter that High Point will do anything but cock tease us as the the team of the future. I, yeah. I think that I think that they're always going to be that team where everyone's like, "Hey, watch out for High Point." And then when push comes to shove, and when it's time to really turn the corner and prove themselves, they either drop a one goal game to Virginia or they'll lose in the SoCon Championship to, uh, well, yeah, yeah, Mercer Gang rise up. Um, I mean, I guess right now to to Jacksonville. Although Richmond also Richmond looked good. Richmond looked good lacrosse wise against UNC on Friday night. They looked hideous. Aesthetically wise, um, Adidas. Want to touch on that game? The game we can touch on, but really all I need to say right now is that the Adidas fits are absolutely atrocious. Uh, but yeah, let, let, let's get into that game a bit. Or I can take it away. Yeah, I, so, well, I, I got to caveat this. Brown plays them in a week, um, and I have about four pages of notes. I watched the game like twice. <laughs> uh, so I don't want to give away too much. I think. What I'll say about – I actually thought Richmond looked really sloppy, and I thought UNC showed how green they were in the offensive midfield with shooting efficiency um, and with figuring out – they're so athletic on the back end. Like that Bowen kid, 24, mm-hmm. he reminds me of Michael Earhart so much when he starts jogging up the field in that nine-and-a-half man. Like he's lanky. I think his dad played in like the NFL. Like they're going to be really good, I think, come May. But I think right now that's a team that I'd look to to have maybe one or two early season upsets. Um, I mean, it's UNC. They're, they're obviously studs and they're well coached, but I, I do think they're gettable. So I think I'm really excited about Brown heading down there uh, next week. But in, in terms of the Richmond stuff, they figured it out late. They basically played like two low hug pipe four man up top and just forced them to kind of like switch AJ off slides and kind of early money throwbacks and kind of just start shooting better. But uh, I actually was not particularly impressed with Richmond's athleticism. And I actually – to me, they feel a little overvalued at this point. Hopefully, they kind of prove me wrong. I, I really like Shamadi. Um, I think he's a great coach, but they did not look just more eye test. It was a gut feel, and part of it might have been those aesthetics you were, you were saying, Jordy, but it, it, especially early in that game, it looked ugly. Well, what, were, what were their clearing number? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I feel like that had to be – well, that had to be like under 40. They don't have it on. Yeah, I mean UNC is obviously super rangy, and they were kind of going that old Greg Canella style nine and a half man, where you kind of like pull the goalie up, but you don't actually put them on the attackman. Um, but to your point, like they couldn't connect passes. They weren't strategically. They had kind of looked out of sorts. Like no defenseman could hit that over bomb to the low right corner and like jumpstart that early offense. Um, really, what changed for them was that young fr- freshman Fogo. That clamper came in and like yeah. held on in there against Tucci. Um, who looked really athletic and he's a great athlete early uh, seven for, for the heels. But um, the game, the game actually that surprised me that, that night, just to touch on it was hop Towson. That's the one that I felt like all week, the vibes were kind of like let down for the Jays, like Towson's kind of hanging in there. You know, it, 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 I was, I was honestly pleasantly surprised. I was really happy for, for uh, John Grant jr. Who's coaching their offense now. Yeah, I mean, I think I had my pick of the week. We don't count losses on this podcast, but I, if, I, if we did count losses, I did have Towson as my pick of the week to beat them. But, yeah, I mean, just I, I think that a lot of people – I saw on, like, just the Cree Stock Twitter, a lot of people were giving UNC credit for their rides, which credit to them, they did ride. You're talking about the nine-and-a-half-man ride. They, they did ride very well. But at the same time, it was just sloppy lacrosse, dropping balls, not knowing how to catch and throw. 
where it was like you it wasn't like they were riding like Virginia E and Laviano riding to the fucking midfield line. It was totally. right right in front I'd, of the I'd give, I'd give, passes. I'd give Chris Gray that same yeah, totally, totally, totally. As, as Laviano, maybe, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe not quite as. He's a stud, by the way. All that stuff I said about UNC being gettable, he's not. Like, he's a stud. He's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to touch on UNC's committees. Legit, I think that you were talking about the athletes at the midfield. They got them all over the place. I think that they potentially at the end of the year we'll be saying that they have the best D unit, D unit, D midi unit. Holy shit, D midi unit in the country. I was just very impressed by them the entire game. They've always been that way. Like Joe Bresci is such a good recruiter. They got studs. I mean, like UNC, even in years where they're not good lacrosse teams, like you would not want to play them and pick up basketball. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are dudes in terms of like getting off the bus. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. I love that comparison. That's a great. That's a great, great way to put it. All yep. defenders, all rebounds, all defense, no Peace. points. Yeah, six always. six assists. Always. Yeah. I just want to say, I, I need you to kind of keep that up throughout the rest of the season. I'm, I'm never a guy who's going to give D middies the love that they deserve. I'm always going to be overlooking D middies. So any, anytime you can kind of chime in here and, and give the D mid some love, some of those, you know, some of those athletes, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the score sheets. I'm looking for guys to go bar down. So, uh, and anytime you know, you can I love my in. fucking grinders. You yeah, know, I that, love my grinders. That, that, Actually, let's do, let's do that. Let's you know, if, Shout out the listeners out there, all the divers. That's what I'm going to call you guys for the, just this episode, until, unless it picks up. But all the divers out there, tweet at me a D midi that needs like recognition. We'll shout him out on the show. Best one. Kind of like the, the fullback of the week that uh, part of my take does. We'll do the D mid of the week. Uh, well, then I'm going to cover the polls. I'll text you guys a poll I like for the week. Oh, for, fuck yeah. Do it. Yeah. We'll give the, the Kent poll of the week, the, yeah. Dukes, oh, yeah. D midi, the Dukes mid of the week, and then the, uh, the Jordy Flash of the week, whoever has the most goals. Love that. Um, and any other games from this uh, from this past weekend that uh, really stood out to you guys? I know that you know right now we're recording this on Wednesday, and we are coming fresh off of a, a big time Catamounts win over Penn State. Uh, looks like uh, looks like the only Jack one. Down. Yeah, the only one. Real quick, that just to give credit to UMass, I think Army is very good. So I for for UMass to only lose by one uh, at Michi. I thought that was actually a fairly impressive result. I, I think UMass can make some, make some strides in the CAA, um, but feel free to, to get rolling on Penn State. My bad. Oh no, not not at all. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I don't. Know, I, I I feel like that's always. I feel like Army UMass is is always. Yeah, it's always, a rivalry game. Always, totally. always going to be a, a tight one. Be close. Um, yeah. You know, and, and especially early in the season. But I, I do I do love UMass as a program. Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know, just, just Penn State going down. They're now uh, – they, they start off their year with two straight losses. They had that loss to Villanova. Uh, and now, you know, the Wednesday afternoon uh, going down to the Vermont Catamounts. One, big for Vermont, huge, huge win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Lamogues, five goals on the day. Uh, just looks like Penn State – oh, wait, no, they, they do have one win. I forgot that last week. Beat Lafayette, but it wasn't a great result. Yeah. It's- yeah. Um, but – I mean, just a, I don't know. I, I feel like I've said it once. I've said it twice. I probably said it like six, seven times so far. Um, just never really been a, a huge, huge Jeff Tramburny guy. And uh, I, th- I think that this is going to be the year that maybe more people sway on my side on that thing. Um, I think once you lose some of those uh, just superstars that he's been used to having on his rosters, you lose Grant Ament, you lose Mac O'Keefe. Um, you know, they, they've still got plenty of, of, great lacrosse players on that roster, but superstars, 
maybe not so much. Um, and, and when you don't have those guys to rely on, you get smacked around by Vermont and not that there's anything wrong with losing to Vermont. Great program. Uh, tons of Canadians on their team that, uh, that are real, real shifty to play against, but real tough look for, for Penn state early on in the season. Yeah. I also just think you had, you had Penn state wanted to come back, come back hard. You want to see a resiliency. You had Vermont drop a one goal game to Utah over the weekend. So you knew that the Catamounts are going to come out like firing. I just don't think they looked ready at all today. Honestly, pretty, pretty disappointed just with the effort. It wasn't really a 16-10. I mean, it's not like it's 13-12. You drop a heartbreaker, kind of went Catamounts, day, uh, Catamounts way all day. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see why we shouldn't be down on Penn State this year. Uh, yeah, I would – my feedback would be I'm just surprised. Like, I – to play a little devil's advocate, Jordy, I actually really like their entire staff. Like I like John Haas. I really like Mike Murphy um, and Tambroni. I have a ton of respect for anyone who can win a natty at coming out of the Ivy league. Tambroni people forget was one clear away from beating Cuse in the natty at Cornell. Like to me, he's a good coach. I, I think it's surprising in the post amend era, the rate at which they've fallen um, because everything I said about the blue bloods and, stacking primary ball carriers and the transfer portal and like how all these teams are loaded, that should be the case at Penn state. Like Penn state has great facilities, great funding. Uh, it's an unbelievably fun school. Um, I, I, I don't really know what happened. I'm more just confused. Like I, I, I hope they get it figured out. I, I like those guys to be honest, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised by it. I mean, especially when you play a schedule like Penn state too, I, I don't think that there's, there, there's not going to be much of a quick fix, at least this season, when you've got Yale, you've got – obviously you're playing Big Ten, so you got to go up against Michigan – or not Michigan, holy shit, the other M1, Maryland. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Michigan will give them a run. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, what, what the Wolverines have. I think Michigan's got some talent this year. Michigan, yeah, Michigan, can, give, Michigan yeah. can give them a run, but mostly Maryland. Uh, Rutgers is going to be tough. They've also – you know, again, Yale, Penn, Cornell. Um, so – could be a long spring in Happy Valley. Uh, I'm not necessarily too uh, too upset about it, but we'll we'll see what's what's in store for Penn State the rest of this year. Um, but yeah, uh, other you know Delaware over St. Joe's don't really have much to say about that. Um, I mean, what was the, Georgetown? Georgetown over Hopkins. Uh, right. Just, yeah. They 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 look the part. They look the part. I think that. I think earlier you were talking about Bowen. I think it was an other guy. I forgot his name on North Carolina, but it looks – he's 24, same exact build as Bowen. So when I watched, I was like, this looks exactly like Bowen. Yeah, Barton. Like, uh, yeah. Friend. yeah. Yep. So Bill Bowen played a fantastic game. Bundy only had one goal, but he had five helpers. He looked the part. And who was it that I wrote down? Watson, six goals. And, you know, I always look at the goalie. I always think that if your goalie goes over 60%, I'll even give him 65% if the, the faceoff goes 45-50. Owen McElroy looks like an All-American, 68% save percentage, and he had 17 saves. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Georgetown's the real deal. Like, they deserve to be talked about in the, in the same conversation as the ACC's in that it's not a question of if they make the tournament. It's just a question of seeding and, like, winning a couple of games. Like, yep. it's, like it's, this is a disappointing year if they are not a championship weekend. Like, that's where their standards should be. Um, I, I do think Penn's very good. I think this weekend will be a test for them. And, yeah, just going back to even the uh, – we're talking about Georgetown and Penn State, where Penn State and Georgetown for the past couple of years felt like they, they needed to break out into the Final Four. Penn State made the Final Four, didn't get it done to championship weekend. 
you wonder, Georgetown, is this their kind of their last ditch effort or do they have one more year in them where they have to reload the recruits? So it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out long run. Yeah, a little, little heavy on the seniors. So, you know, but I, I, I think that that's, that's a program that's going the right way. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously Hopkins would, would love to see, uh, you know, a little bit better of an offensive effort against, against Georgetown. But I, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm more, and, and this is uh, maybe, maybe a callback to, to our good pal, Jake Shido. Uh Not really sure if it was uh, good, good defense or just bad offense. So I, I'm going to give the edge to Georgetown's defense more in that game for being able to hold Hopkins to that, to that eight spot, to holding them under 10 goals, um, as opposed to Hopkins just being, being bad offensively. Well, yeah, you put, yeah. Up eight, you put up 18 Friday and then you put up eight on Sunday. Well, so that, um, that, that, that begs the question, do you only have so many goals in the tank per weekend? Like, is, yeah. I, I think that's, that's, some something that, that's something that a lot of teams need to start thinking about when they schedule these Friday-Sunday games where, like, listen, like you know, you, you get that win over, or over Towson. Like, yeah, obviously you want to, you know, you kind of want to rub it in a little bit. You're, you're rivals with them. You're close in, in proximity geographically. You want to really prove to them, like, hey, like, you guys don't deserve to be here with us right now. Um, but could you have won that game 14 to 12 and instead of 18 to 12? And then you would have left some more goals in the tank for Georgetown. And then you scored those goals, you make it a tighter game and the whole thing kind of flips maybe. So I don't know. I, I think if you're, if you're going to win big, make it the Sunday game, don't win big on Friday. Cause then you're going to blow your load early in the weekend. Yeah. My message for hot fans would be, I've been in locker rooms with John Grant Jr. He's running their offense. He is like a brilliant offensive mind. Like I, I think once he gets like the dudes he needs, you're going to be looking at a combination of like Matt Brown's Denver motions with kind of a little more like ISO dodging flair. If he gets like dudes, um, they're going to score a lot of goals in Homewood in years you, to come. Do you think this there's year, a chance though that he's? Do you think that there's a chance that he's too smart though? Like there was the clip. Uh, who, who was Le- LeBron was trying to explain a play to someone. Um, I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a big basketball I get what guy. You're saying in terms of like but, prodigy level communication. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he does a good job communicating. Like I honestly, when I watch them, I think if you took away the hop jerseys, like I think currently they have like the, the Dodgers and uh, defenders of like a non ACC quality program, right? Like they, they don't have the dudes that like a mid two thousands hop had. Um, so, you know, now it's like, I'm scared for all those guys. Cause there's no bigger pressure cooker than Homewood and expectation and like how many, how long do you get to get those guys and all that stuff. But I really hope it works for them. Um, Cause by the way, the sport is just so much better when hop is relevant. Like when hops really good, there's so much more excitement. Like there's just nothing like Homewood on a sunny day. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, and I, I've definitely said that before on the pod. I think that the sport is really good when you have a few good years to really rip on hop where you can get all the hop haters to really round to rally around like, Hey, like hop sucks. Like let's really lay it on thick here. Um, Well, we've we've had that, man. It's been a long time. So, 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 so that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like, at this point now it's like, okay, like hop, like it was real funny to shit on you guys for a while, but like, can you guys kind of – I feel like like Simba just going yeah, like, right now. We like, played them in the first up. round in Providence and literally like blew their doors off. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like that would never happen to a hop of the 60s through 90s, right? It, like that – there's alums like rolling over in their grave that I even just said that. 
mean? <laughs> what was it? Like, even 2015? Did they make the Final Four in 2015, 2016? Yeah, there was one year. Brandon, um, wait, and they weren't good. Yeah, they the, weren't good. They went on the run. When, when, they they kind of backed into the Final Four. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was like Joel Tenney. Yes, and exactly. Dodge on the high wing. And, mm-hmm. um, I think they ended up playing Maryland, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean – We'll see what will happen down there, man. Because to your guys' point, the 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 top like the tier A's have only gotten better. Like it's going to be really hard to break back into that, you know. And I think uh, we can talk about Q's later, but that's going to be that's kind of an example. It's like you know, once you're even a year or two off it, like when you're no longer on that ledge and you don't have the Matt Moores and the Schellenbergers and the Brendan O'Neills and like your defensive, you know, cohesion and structure isn't where it needs to be. Getting back to that level is going to be so hard in those leagues, in the Big Ten and the ACC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially in today's eight where, like, all these kids are on Instagram and, and you know, you've got all these middle school kids following all the top players in the nation and then they fall in love with the sport, they fall in love with that school. So if you don't have, like, those guys right now – none of these kids in middle school are that are nasty are like growing up being like, Oh yeah. Like I, I want to like hop is like my dream, my dream school right now. Like they're all following Matt Moore and Schellenberger and be like, let's, let's go to Virginia. Um, it was easy going into lacrosse unlimited when I'm in sixth grade. It's like, what, what pair of college lacrosse shorts am I picking out? Am I picking out the ugly maroon Harvard shorts? Or am I going after the nice white black clear, like the uh, blue that Johns Hopkins wears? It was always the nicest shit. Now, now it's like, well, Hopkins isn't that fun. It's really hard to get into. And the lacrosse program, it's not like you're fighting for national championships every year like they used to. So like a lot of recruits might be like, I'm sacrificing my not going out life by going to play for a championship program. Or they're like, well, let's go to, let's say like, we're just talking about Penn State. Let's go to Penn State, have fun. And, you know, maybe we'll make championship weekend. Fuck it. Valid point. It's um, a wait and see. That's, that's all it is. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, well, well, we'll also wait and see what happens this coming weekend. We've got a full slate of games ahead of us. Uh, pretty sure we've only got one game uh, tonight. Should be uh, Hofstra and Navy. Uh, don't really have much to say there besides Go yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, Duke's the the Long Island guys. So. The only thing to say there would be the the Amplo hot seat. Like the Mount St. Mary loss was no bueno. Nope. Like that. That first of all, I think Joe Amplo is a great coach. I really like him. Um, I hope they get it going. Like, if they have another tough year and another – you know, I – they can't be losing to Mount St. Mary's. Like, Navy alums are crazy people. They're like hop well, alums. Like, well, they not, love their, their program. Not to brag, but I did an overnight at Mount St. Mary's, so it's a pretty top-tier program. Yeah. Uh, so, Jordy, no. Jordy, I was about to say the same exact fucking shit. I go, if you talk to me as a recruit and you lose to that school – cancel the program <laughs> yeah no. i actually i actually did an overnight there it sucked um, worst worst experience of my life was at school actually yeah fucking brutal um but this this coming weekend let's let's start off with with let, let's set you up right in the wheelhouse here we've got brown taking on quinnipiac might not be a marquee game of the week but we've got larkin kemp on this week so yeah we've got yeah no, i'm um, and by the way, no disrespect to QPAC. I'm looking for a 30 burger out of the Bears. That's my that's my expectation. Um, I think it's important that we get rolling the right way because of the quality opponent we have that following Wednesday at, at UNC. Uh, so I, I expect them to come out flying. And um, two years off, Brown is a, a way better program that, than people 
give credit just based on where the class of the Ivy League was two years ago, right? Like, you know, Prince and Cornell were undefeated at the time. Jeff C., Michael Sowers are generational talents. Of course, they're getting a lot of uh, buzz. Penn always gets talked about because of their strength of schedule and their location in Philly. Um, the last time Brown played, they beat UVA at home, like in a big boy matchup where Ryan Allgaven was dodging Jared Connors. And like we were, that was not a joke of a game. Um, we looked very good in our one tilt last year against BU. Like I'm, you know, I watch a lot of film with that program. I think they're going to be good. I think it's going to be, I think Brown will be a test for everybody this year, including the class of the Ivy, Yellen Penn. All right. Go Bruno. Is that is that it? Go I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm like, who, what am I going to fucking top him with brown shit? No, I, yeah, <laughs> I hope Ryan Oliver scores a million goals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one, I mean, I, I feel like I, I talk way too much about Duke on this on this podcast already, but it is a big game, Duke and Denver. Um, although I feel like Duke is, has had Denver's... Uh, they, they've had their number the past few years, especially when Denver has to travel to Duke. And I also think uh, that Jacksonville fucked over Denver by upsetting Duke. So you're, you're not going to have them come out and, and lose two in a row. Uh, so yeah, any, any thoughts on any, any thoughts on that one? I, I, th- I think that that's a, that's a big bounce back game uh, for Duke who might feel a little disrespected, jumping down to number eight in the polls or number seven. I don't really know what polls you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, my only thoughts would be like, I don't know what's going on with the Denver disrespect. Like I Duke is Duke. They're really good. They probably should be favored. I think for some reason people like took a nap during COVID and forgot that Bill Tierney is a hall of fame. Maybe the greatest to ever do it. Defensive coach with Matt Brown running his offense. Like, Yes, does Denver not have a Toraton finalist, a first-team All-American this year? Perhaps. But do I think Denver can go in and upset Duke? Absolutely. Like, Denver is Denver. They're really good. They, they play a really hard Canadian-style nation's offense to guard, specifically for young defensemen and young defensive midfielders, which it seems like Duke has a lot of. Um, I expect this to be like a war. Like, I, I expect this to be a pick em, toss up there's been a lot of betting momentum on Duke and the spread. Like I, if I was giving advice to these, your listeners, I would say lay off that game. Like, I think it's going to be, could go either way. I, I actually, there's three, three people in Denver that I, well, I'm trying to like deal with the camera. My fingers like, what the fuck? But my three players, Alex Simmons, I love, he had the heartbreaker on the doorstep against Loyola in the tournament. He's a stud. I expect him to have a huge year. Jack Hanna, obvious PLL player, but the guy that I was watching last week and that I favorite player on Denver by far, Malik Sparrow, the LSM. I want to see how he does against the Duke Middies. I think he, he's an athlete and a half. He's all over the field. Don't checks that like hammers. Love his play. Uh, he's a player that I'd watch out for if you're, uh, if you're watching that game. Yeah, I think a, a big part of that game, by the way, is going to be the goalie matchup and the faceoff matchup. Like, yes. if Denver can win clamps and win clamps early and frustrate Duke's ball carriers by not letting them like get in a rhythm, I could see Denver playing at their pace and winning easily. Because, yeah, I'm trying to – yes. So, Alex Dothakis is the Denver Fogo. He's on the towards on watch list. And then Naso for Duke's a stud. And really Yeah, and but Naso last week was hurt. He was out. Really? So, yeah, that's did like he, a big – that was a big he, part of the – like, I don't know if it was the game before, but basically – I don't know if he yeah. played versus Jacksonville, but he might have played hurt. Like, he, he missed a game in the last two weeks, which has now led people to believe he's, like, banged up. Um so I, I'm not suggesting he's not going to gut it out. I'm just saying that that kind of gets back to my thesis where it's like, I look at the spread, it's like two and a half. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. 
That's that's fair because I I watched Manhattan and then I watched the fourth quarter of Jacksonville and in Manhattan he played and he kind of dominated. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he's really good. I mean, totally. Really good. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I really am, man. I mean, those are two of the best coaches to ever do it. Going like that's like everyone in the lacrosse world should just like respect that matchup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, dude. Donowski has had the upper hand over the past few years. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to tell people to, to take it to Duke big, big bounce back. Uh, and by big bounce back, I mean, maybe they win by like three and just barely cover. Um, that's what I was going to say, Duke. But now that I, that, now that Mesa might be out, I'm out on this game. Not touching, not touching. Yeah. Also, no, I could easily hit you, so I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm more in terms of like, yeah, it's just a game I don't want to It's not my favorite pick of the weekend. Oh, yeah. I'll, also, I'll save those for later. Also a big fan of guys with two first names. So the moment that you mo- that you mentioned Jack Hanna, I immediately just jumped on board with Denver in that one. Um, <laughs> well, so Larkin, I mean, you, you talked pretty, pretty uh, highly and pretty heavily on how you think that Ivy League teams will come out and respond uh, in their opening weekend. So, um, you know, let, let, let's just talk about two of them coming up real quick. We've got uh, Yale taking on Nova, uh, and then we've uh, – Cornell, Albany, I think that, that that's going to – but, like, the big two top 20 matchups are going to be the Yale-Nova game uh, as well as the um, – why, why, why am I blanking? Penn-Georgetown. Yeah, Penn-Georgetown. There we go. Yeah. So, um, you, feel, you feel good about your nerds starting off the season, hungry, ready for, ready for wins on both of those? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I'll, I'll start with Yale-Nova. I mean, I think when I watched Nova beat Penn State before tonight, I would have said that, okay, this could be a test, right? Like – I had a lot of respect for Penn State. I think what they showed tonight is that, obviously, in, in losing to Vermont the way they did, um, that that win might not mean as much. I expect Yale to roll. Like, Yale's going to be fired up. They're, they've been recruiting at an incredibly high level. I'm excited to a degree, as much as I can be. I hate Yale, obviously. But, like, they got some young kids who are highly thought of that I'm sure, you know, chomping at the bit to go. Yale's very hard to beat at Reese. I think it's in New Haven. Um I could see them winning that game, I don't know, like 18, 12. Um, and then Penn Georgetown, like Georgetown is very good. This is nothing, this is no disrespect to, to G Town. Penn, it, it, I think Penn is on that quality level. Like I think the top tier teams in the Ivy are in ACC level play this year. And I think that people need to understand like Georgetown can't scout Penn. Penn, Penn hasn't played a game that matters in two years. Like, there's people that are going to be on that field who Kevin Warren has no idea if they go right or left. And even though he can scout Sam Hanley, he can't stop him. That guy's a grown man, mm-hmm. right? That guy could be playing on NFL Sundays. He's going to be playing point attack. I expect Penn to hang in all game and win late. Like, I, I, not only do I think they cover, I think they win it outright. And I think, to me, that's going to be a statement to the country that the rust is off, the Ivy League's back. And when you look up and down the board, like there's, there's not an easy opponent. Well, just, just a little, just a little inside information here. Uh, so I went to Ursinus college, a little D3 program in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, they, they scrimmage against Penn earlier this winter, uh, gave him a real hard fought battle and uh, brought it down to the wire and only lost 22 to six. So uh, you know, <laughs> that's just, that's just something for the betters to keep in mind here. So, uh, you know, just, I, I'd maybe stay off of that one, but I, I, I do like, I do like your approach to it, Larkin. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a homer, right? I'm going to say that either way. So I'm not necessarily saying like hammer the bet on it, but I'm more just like, I, I really do believe that'll be a really good game. 
And when you watch Georgetown, the way they slapped around hop, like when it's a one goal game toss up at the end, right? Like, you know, I think that'll be a statement. Uh, I mean, I'm extremely excited for Penn Georgetown, but I mean, any, any listener of the pod regularly knows that I have to bring up Garden City at least 10 times in this podcast. And in the Nova Yale game, we got two Garden City faceoff guys going at each other. Nova's Justin Gopola, and we got Yale's, uh, Yale's James Ball. Ball was a Chaminade guy, recruit. He's a sophomore now because of the COVID year and like the skip year. He's a guy that's going to be a household name, in my opinion. He's going to be one of the best faceoff guys in the nation. I think he's probably like the number two specialist, number one specialist coming in. I think he's kind of going to own the faceoff stripe against Capola, but Capola's a competitor. That's just a matchup that I'm looking forward to. But whose who's mom makes a better Sunday dinner? Mrs. Capola is the fucking goat. The goat. <laughs> I mean, this kid, this kid Capola would like, he's like in second grade when I was in fifth grade and kicked my ass. The other, just real briefly, the other two things I'm excited for are Connor Busick's debut, the, the Cornell post Teat era. Yeah, good call. Um, and then obviously Jerry Byrne. Like, Anyone who knows Jerry Byrne, he is the most competitive guy, maybe in the history of mankind. I don't know if there's a guy less suited to deal with season cancellations than Jerry Byrne. Like he treats pickup basketball literally like it's life or death. So I, I'm just really excited to see what he's done with uh, the Harvard defense, the Harvard offense, just like where they stack up. And, you know, I, I know the Brown boys are going to be fired up to play them in their Ivy opener in a couple weeks. I got asked last week if you have a dinner with three people dead or alive, who would it be? I said Nikola Tesla, I said Jerry Byrne, and I said Tom Brady. Yeah, he's an interesting fellow, man. He, yeah. he's, he's. Uh, listen, I have all the respect in the world. I on the Redwoods, I played with. I, first of all, all those Notre Dame guys are like now my best friends. They're awesome people. Um, That's great. And they I all treat, them, they all treat him like a father. Like they love him. So I, because of that, I have a mutual respect. Yeah. Uh... Pretty pretty light game for for the Irish this weekend. They've got Detroit Mercy. No offense, Detroit Mercy, but I, I, I think mean, Detroit know. Mercy gave them the scare in the first round, twenty fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I, just quickly on that, the 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 Kavanaugh's together, I think, will be talked about in a decade the way the Sedin twins are in Vancouver. Like, I think they're both very good players, but together they are like probably light years better. And when eventually they potentially play with Matt professionally. Um, I think that's going to be really exciting to watch. Like, I'm not suggesting that this is the year for Notre Dame or that they can beat maybe, you know, the Dukes, the UVAs, the ACC or whoever, but like just watching those two jitterbugs like ride and score crazy goals and like celebrate with their family. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just that the Sedins are Swedish and I always think that Swedes are a little soft. So I, I, I just, yeah, would, yeah. I, I more mean the point when I say Sedins, if you put a Sedin, by himself on an alternative NHL franchise is very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would be halved. Right. Right. Okay. It's like, okay. That's what I'm getting at. It's basically just I, like, I took, I took it to literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a catalyst. I'm not saying they're similar players. At all. I'm um, a, uh, I'm a big Notre Dame guy. I, I, I'll buy Kavanaugh stock stock any day. And they're also the little ones. So they're, they're chemistry in the backyard of a Matt and uh, Brandon probably kicking the shit out of them. Their chemistry is probably uh, the I love that family. They're awesome. And not, they, not wait to see how they mesh. They, they were probably also like, you know, just, just Matt was out there shooting all the nice balls in the, back, in, in the backyard net, and then you've got the little ones out there. They're stuck having to play with the greasers, and that just gets their <laughs> hands even better, and, and that's why these kids are going to be insane. Um, I, I, obviously, the, I, I'd say that the biggest 
matchup of the weekend is going to be coming on on Sunday uh, with Q's first Maryland. But before we get into that, uh, Dukes, I, I just want to know, put put you on the spot here, and Larkin, you can answer as well. But uh, it, it, do you think that there's anyone on upset alert this weekend? I mean, like, does Marquette over Jacksonville count as, as an upset? Uh, I, I would, I would oh, say yes. Actually, I got one. Hobart over Lehigh. I, I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I have so much respect for Crawley, especially as an offensive mind, but Lehigh hasn't really, didn't really impress me last weekend. So I'm, I'm going to put Hobart. I like Hobart as a program. I think that they could definitely put Lehigh on upset alert this week. Yeah. The, t- the two I would have that are, that are not like groundbreaking is I like army over Rutgers and I like Penn over Georgetown straight up. Yeah, I, I get mean, my lock. Go, go for it. I, I also Army over Rutgers is good. I, I feel like those are just you know two, two you know just greasy teams, gritty teams. Um, yeah, so that, that's I think they're both good. I'm not. That's not a slight at Rutgers. I think Army's legit. Yeah, uh, Duke's your lock. My lock is I'm going. I'm going Bryant minus two over BU. I think that's stealing. Stealing. Mark Overwork is a fucking stud he should be in the acc as a player i love i love brian minus two and i'm also we'll, we'll get into the maryland syracuse game after but i'll talk about that spread right now brian minus two yeah that's yeah. actually free money that's 401k money yeah it's a dr seuss read it's the over just, in that game at, as well at, at 23 is also free money for, for our loyal listeners that that line is a Dr. Seuss book, first grade reading level. Just yeah. Brian, Brian should score eighteen themselves. I, I'll I'll just never put my lock on a team that wears black socks. Uh, <laughs> it just goes against my code. Um, I, I I like Loyola uh, bouncing around Hopkins a little bit. Loyola minus two and a half. Uh, all right, so this Maryland Cuse game. So the Terps. Back-to-back games where they put up a 20 spot. You have to wonder, again, are, are they wasting all their goals this early in the season? Uh, but on the flip side of that, Cuse comes out against Holy Cross and they decide to fill up the net pretty much every single time that they have the ball in their stick. So uh, two offenses that came out firing uh, Maryland versus, versus Cuse. You know, definitely, definitely a matchup I think we could see. In, in the tournament at some point, but uh, where, where do you boys fall on this one? Larkin, take it away. Yeah, and I, I do want to caveat this because I have the utmost respect, obviously, for Gary Gate and Dave Petramala. They are total studs. They're going to build a wagon at Cuse. It's not a question of, like, if it's when, right? I, like, I, they will win natties. Um, I think that Hokro is, like, the ultimate trap in terms of people juicing up Cuse's expectations this year. Um, Cuse really struggled in a scrimmage at Michigan – like everything that I've heard about them is that they're still finding their way. And, and what John Tillman has at Maryland is not finding its way. It's a polished machine. It's like the Ferrari of horse, you know, car racing. Um, the way in which they made Loyola look pedestrian, I think was very scary to every coaching staff in the country. I think Maryland will end the season as the one seed. I, I think they roll this weekend. Roll. We were talking last week about Maryland, and you know the, all the premier programs. We're talking. We're going Brendan O'Neill, Connor Schellenberg. We're even going Matt Moore. No, they all have a legitimate to wartime candidate. Wisnowskis probably, maybe he'll probably finish top five or whatever. But it's not about one man for Maryland. It's about how deep they go and how well they play together as a unit, as a team. And you talk about John Tillman finding a way. 
that's Maryland is the way. They know how to do it every year, and they'll be they'll easily be at uh, a championship weekend. I told Jordy going into this year, I said Virginia's got to be you know the the team that you look out for. You can't really defend knock the defending champs, especially when they return everybody. But Maryland in the portal with a like Keegan Khan from Nova, I mean, they are a scary, scary team. And yeah, a, a big – totally. And a big part of my prediction, by the way, is the ACC is going to beat itself, right? Maryland in the yep. Big Ten, I think, will roll, and that's why I predicted them as the one seed. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win it all, right? It's more like their, their schedule lays out so that they can kind of – Take I, care. Agree more with, I can't, can't agree more with the one seed. I have them as a top two team in the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, John Tillman is, has a Nick Saban attention to detail. Like, he's – the way in which he's looking at that iPad, like studying defensive yeah. slide schemes throughout the game, it's it, – I'm telling you, it puts the fear McCoy in God. is a stud, too. McCarr oh, is a stud yeah. for Maryland. Oh, they're good. Their defense – I mean, listen. You're, like, taking, you're taking a minus three? Oh, I think they're going to win by ten. I couldn't get one of the same. Like, page, and by the way, I, I like a lot of guys on Q's. Like, I think Q's is solid. I'm not yeah. in no way am I saying that Q's can't beat a lot of teams that are in the top 10, many teams in the top 20. But I think to go to College Park without Owen Hiltz, uh, to be probably losing at the faceoff X and in goal in terms of matchups. And then, you know, just Maryland's just that good, man. Like, it's. And you know what? Well, I think that Q's, Q's, Q's might have figured out how to play to the 60. This is, I agree with your Holy Cross stance. Maybe just say Syracuse in the offseason figured out how to work with the 60 second shot clock. You know what, Maryland and John Tillman knows how to do? Slow down that shot clock. They know how to work it to their advantage. And I think that they're just going to out, out coach them. I mean, obviously, Gates a legend, but so is John Tillman as a coach. Totally. And by the way, like, I almost think Gary probably wants it. He wants them to get like shell shocked a little bit and have to like sure. refine themselves and. Sure. You know, kind of re- reset expectation heading into ACC play. But by the way, they're going to be a you know a thorn in the side of all the big boys all season. Like they're mm-hmm. nobody wants to go to Cuse. Like Cuse, Cuse. <laughs> um, so, uh, real quick, I, I I do want to mention uh, just kind of rewind a little bit. I would have way more respect for Holy Cross as a program if I heard more people referring to them as Hokro. Uh, I was a big fan of that. <laughs> if, so if if you, you know what Cruz, yeah, you know what Cross got wrong. And I'll tell the AD this if I ever see him. They hired an ACC coordinator to coach at a school that needs a junk guy. They need a zone junker, crazy scheme, 10 man, like recruit wild athlete, like, you know, non blue blood athletes. Like they need to beat teams in weird ways. Like they need to be playing five man O with poles on the field and like doing all sorts of crazy nonsense. Like you can't play SEC football if you're coaching at Navy. You run the triple option. That's yeah. what Holy Cross needs to do. Like, like that's that the metaphor. Like, that's all I, it is. I, I just want to give a shout-out really quick. I, I saw these Holy Cross lacrosse players at the bar, and they were talking to me about how they thought that they were going to beat Syracuse. So if these <laughs> assholes are listening right now, I, I hope you guys just are sitting at the bar alone right now. Just reevaluating. Uh, I, I have a lot of buddies who went there. I actually love – like, I love those guys. So. Yes, Tim. Holy Cross guys are the best. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, good should be a, a good, uh, good, good face-off matchup there in that game. So I know that uh, Jerry Raganese will be loving that one with Luke Weirman and uh, Jake Fop, a couple of Pennsylvania boys there. Uh, Jake Fop on this podcast actually mentioned that he uh, said it himself that he's the worst lacrosse player he's ever seen. So uh, you know, <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he wins it to himself forward, I would just uh, shut off everybody and and just see what he's got. Uh, although I, I've got I've got faith in him putting a few in the back of the net. So uh, good bat. I mean, Logan yeah, McNaney, I, shout out. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I would say because it's going to be such a good battle at the face-off X, that doesn't really give one team the advantage over the other. And I do agree that Maryland is just so loaded, so polished. Uh, so I, I've, I've got the Terps in that one. Um, but I can see it being close. I, I think, you know, get, a, you know, get, get, get some of those guys uh, buzzing offensively for, for Syracuse early. If they can see a few shots dropping early, they'll just keep letting them fly. Uh, Dukes, what do you got? I just want to give one thing. I forgot that Syracuse had Bobby Gavin, the old Virginia goalie. He's good. So look out for the goalie matchup too, him and McNaney. I, I, this, is, this is going to be Bobby Gavin's first real test in the orange. All right. I've, I've, I've got this one close. Uh, I think you can, you can take the over to the bank. Uh, it's at 28 right now. We could, we could definitely see 30, a piece, not 30 a piece, but we could see a, a 30 total there. Uh, but I do see Maryland coming out on this one. Definitely closer than 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 the ten goal, uh, ten goal mark. Yeah, that, that that might have been aggressive. That, That's that, fair. That, that don't, we might don't have heard earlier. But don't take it back. I well here I Maryland I, by I, five. I, I, all right, there you go, Dukes. I love that. Uh, but yeah, so that does it for uh, for this upcoming weekend. Uh, we we got anything else on the on the docket? Uh, are we still looking for a social media guy? No, stop fucking DMing me. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, boys. I had fun. I appreciate it. Hopefully, I yeah. hung in there. Uh, Larkin, real, real quick. What, uh, I, I, I know, I know, I see you on my timeline all the time, but I don't remember your uh, your handle off the top of my head. Uh, oh, wait. all right. L so Kemp make sure you guys, yeah, make sure yeah. you guys are following L Kemp forty two on Twitter. Uh, he's he's always always a great part of the timeline. Uh, messing around with Lax Twitter and and everything else. So make sure you guys are following at the Crease Dive on both Twitter and Instagram. Find yourself a spot on the couch, crack open a few beverages of your choice, throw on some lax this weekend. And in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. Step from the road to the sea to the sky and I do believe